Our scripture passage today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Hear God's holy and authoritative word. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. When he had poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him, he came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, Not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garment, and he resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. Then if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. The grass withers and the flower fades. Amen. You may be seated. As we come to God's word, we need his help to understand. We need his, his spirit to illuminate it to our hearts. And so let us begin with a moment of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it instructs us, that it comforts us, that it reveals to us who you are. Help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see. May your spirit illuminate it to our hearts that it may have its full work in our lives. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, we're continuing in our sermon series in John's Gospel. And we come to chapter 13, which is kind of the beginning of this goodbye to his disciples before Jesus is ultimately betrayed, as we heard a little bit in our passage today, and and is crucified, dies, and is risen again, but there's this extended section here in John's Gospel going through these days before, this preparation for his departure as he is giving his last teaching, his last displays of who he is to his disciples, to comfort them for what's going to come. 
And in this passage, there's a lot of things going on, a lot of talk about Judas. There's this washing. But at the beginning of our passage is kind of the key to what we're seeing throughout. And that is in our passage, we are seeing here a display of Christ's love for his disciples. He is embodying what it looks like for him to love. He's displaying for them God's love for his people. What leadership ought to look like for them as they live their life with one another after Jesus has departed. Jesus is lavishing on them his love. If you remember a few weeks ago, there was a similar kind of scene where Jesus was at a dinner like this. and Somebody washed his feet, but with ointment, it was Mary, and she wiped off uh, the ointment with her hair and It was this expression of her great love and devotion for Jesus. Now Jesus is being revealed over and over again throughout John's Gospel as being the fulfillment of all of the promises of the Old Testament, the one who they were waiting to see. Truly, they call him Teacher and Lord. This is the Messiah, the one who has come from God. And so it would have been appropriate for those who would have been subservient to a teacher or a king to do such an act. But for Jesus to take on this form, well, it shows us a lot about what God's love is truly like. Interestingly, as we see the beginning of this scene, verse 3 tells us that Jesus knew that the Father had given all things into his hand. Throughout John's Gospel, it seems Jesus is waiting, right? The time has not yet come, his hour has not yet arrived, and then we have heard recently that his hour has come. And now we're told that the Father has given all things into Jesus' hands. So Jesus is no longer restrained. His hour is now, and the ball has been put in his hands, and Jesus is going to fulfill what he has come to do. It's as if Jesus is in the driver's seat now. We don't want to make too big of a distinction between God's will and what Jesus is doing here, but Jesus in his first act to fulfill what the Father has called him to do in this hour, we're told is this. He rises from supper. No doubt he was seated in the seat of authority, uh, the, the honor seat. He rises and he lays aside his outer garment. Now, we don't dress like people in the first century, but in the first century, everybody would have really had two pairs of clothes, two items of clothing that they would have worn each day, and it would have been a, an undergarment and an outer garment, two robes that, you know, you, you wear the inner garment to prevent your outer garment from getting sweaty, and you, uh, and, you know, it's a lot nicer looking, and so, really, Jesus gets into his underwear here. Sounds a little crass. would have been unexpected, perhaps even inappropriate for the man who is in the seat of honor to take off his outer garment. He takes on a towel and he ties it around his waist. And he begins to wash his disciples' feet. So we don't 
see much significance in that in our own context, right? We wear uh, lace-up shoes that are fully clothed in and socks, and if we take off our shoes, they probably smell really bad. But that wasn't the problem they had in the ancient world. The problem they had in the ancient world is they walked around in sandals, and their feet would have been particularly dirty and grimy as they would have walked in the dirt of the ground, not on nice paved sidewalks like us. And even some of the imagery of the dirt on people's feet as we think about the Jewish context here, maybe think back to the garden when Adam and Eve sinned and God says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. And so a lot of the ritualistic washings that happen is the removal of this cursed ground, the dirtiness on their feet. And this act of washing people's feet would have been very common at many of the uh, you know, dinners, especially if you had a decent-sized household, and it would have been relegated to the lowliest of your servants. In fact, we know from history that if you had Jewish servants and Gentile servants, that is, people who weren't born in the line of Abraham, it would never have fallen to a Jewish servant. It would have always fallen to the lowliest, those even outside of the people of Israel. And here Jesus is showing us his great humiliation. It's a sign of the greater humiliation that's to come, but Jesus here, the one who deserves all honor and glory, who's supposed to be seated on the highest throne, takes on the form the lowliest of servants. I imagine the disciples would have been in shock and awe. In fact, we see that's what's going to happen here as Peter responds to him. But this humiliation is an image for us of God's love for his disciples. I don't know if you have ever had elderly parents or known somebody who has cared for them. I hear this commercial on the radio all of the time. Um, it's an AARP commercial, and it starts out with a young girl in the car saying, Mom, are we there yet? Are we there yet? And then it fast-forwards 30, 40 years, and it's the mom that says, Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And as is often the case, as parents get into the last stages of their life, there's this great reversal in roles where the children now become the caretakers, and those who were once in charge are in this lowly estate. But you see the care that is given. I know of one family in particular that cares so well for their elderly parents, not out of obligation, but out of love, doing the most menial of tasks, often very unpleasant tasks, dealing with things that they ought not to have to deal with. But they do it out of a great sense of love. And that doesn't quite get us to what Jesus is doing here, but I think it's a helpful for example for us to understand that Jesus is really humiliating himself. He's really lowering himself to the lowest rung. Thinking about elderly care, if you ever go to a nursing home, there's all sorts of different types of nurses, right? There's, there's the head nurse, and there's the RNs, and there's the, I don't even know them all. But at the very bottom is this thing called a CNA. 
They didn't get as much training. They don't make as much money. And they have the worst job. Jesus has humbled himself to the lowest possible job to show his great love. This love is so humiliating to Christ, it is embarrassing to his disciples. He comes to Simon Peter in verse 6, and he says, Lord, do you wash my feet? That's absurd. Now, Peter has a reputation of thinking he knows better than Jesus. When Jesus said he had to die, Peter said, I would never let that happen. And Jesus responded by saying, get behind me, Satan. Later on in this gospel, Peter will have another blunder where he thinks he knows better. And here again, he thinks he knows better. Lord, do you wash my feet? I can't let you wash my feet. That would be absurd. Or as the words of John the Baptist, the one who comes after me is greater than me. I'm unworthy to even untie the sandal of his feet. But Jesus answers him, what I'm doing now you don't understand, but afterwards you will understand. Peter says, you will never wash my feet The great love that is shown in Jesus' humiliation causes us great embarrassment. You think of a scene of a a middle school kid that is being recognized for something and is maybe shy by nature and has to stand up in front and they tell, oh, how great this person was and all the things, and he's just embarrassed to be up there. But imagine even greater than that, the thing that he's being recognized for, he had no part in. There is nothing about Peter or any of the disciples that is so great that Jesus must humble himself to serve them. And instead, Jesus is taking on such a humble position, it causes them to just shriek in embarrassment. They don't deserve to be in this place of honor. God's love is so lavish, so undeserved. It's embarrassing to us who don't deserve it. What an arrogant thought. What an arrogant statement for us to say, I am right with God. We think of that claim as simple, but it is far more profound. And it is an expression of Christ's love for us that we can even have it. It's something that we ought to think unthinkable and yet only possible through Christ. Christ's love, Christ's example of humiliation here is embarrassing to us. When I was in college, we did a lot of work with uh, international students, particularly some from uh, India and Nepal. And there was something about their culture that I think relates a little more to this that uh, we don't really get as Westerners, especially as it comes to feet. Um, There was one time in particular, I remember a family, their parents came to visit them. And some friends came over and, you know, a lot of these, uh, these students were there. And when they saw the parents, they went up and they touched the feet of the parents. And the parents said, no, 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 stop. They were very embarrassed that they would stop and touch their feet. 
right? Because they were trying to show reverence and respect, like, thank you for being here. And it was this sign that if you were to touch somebody's feet, you were very much submitting yourself to them to show honor, right? Even at a birthday party, I remember it was just peers. And uh, the, the guy whose birthday it was, same thing, when somebody quick and secretly kind of grabbed his foot to, to show him honor. It was, it was a weird scene for me to see take place. And it was embarrassing for those people to have had their feet touched because they didn't feel like they deserved it. They felt like it was inappropriate. How much greater that the Son of God would condescend not only to become a man, but to take on this form of a servant in a house and clean his disciples' gross and dirty feet. How embarrassing to be a disciple. But Jesus goes on to say why he did this. They, they weren't going to understand it until afterwards, and then Jesus explains it. Verse 12, Jesus tells us this is his great example. Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Jesus begins this meal in the seat of honor and then condescends to the lowest possible person in the room and then afterwards takes up his seat again in the place of honor. This imagery is what we see in God's love for us. He is the king. He is the all-powerful one. He is 100% holy, just, and righteous, and yet he is merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love paying for our sins and the sacrifice of his own son. Jesus is revealing to us what he is like and how it ought to inform his followers. If he's willing to do this, we ought not to think of ourselves as above any menial task. We ought to care for one another in ways that maybe are humiliating and uncomfortable. We ought to go to places where we don't feel like we belong. You know, you think of some of these service mission trips that maybe you've been on. You go to a, a place that is foreign to you. You go into houses that you would never dare step into in any other circumstance and, and you wonder how this is even helping at all, just helping people clean up for the day, making some small repairs. But that is an embodiment of this following after Jesus in the menial tasks to show God's love. To go into the difficult places, to bear one another's burdens even when it's difficult to care for our loved ones in ways that are less than glorious. The way of Jesus isn't high and mighty lording over others. 
that includes doing the most humiliating of works. And it's out of that sense of embarrassment, right? Seeing what Jesus did, understanding ultimately that this is going to be fulfilled even greater, seeing that Christ was going to die for the sins of those who belong to him. That ought to have an outflow. The embarrassment ought to out pour out of our lives into how we live. If we've received such a great gift, it ought to affect who we are. But there's a greater meaning here that I don't want us to pass over. It's easy for us to read this passage and say, Jesus says to be a servant, go be a servant. That's what he wants for you. Indeed, that may be true. But let us not skip over his response to Peter. When Peter says, you will never wash my feet, the Lord says, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. What does Jesus mean by that? The gospel is offensive to different people for different ways. For people who have such a high view of God that he is so holy, so righteous, so far removed from our world, the idea that he would come in the form of a man and die on a cross is abominable. But for people who are proud, like Peter, like you, like me, the gospel is offensive to us because we think we don't need it. Because we think we can make it on our own, because we think we can be righteous before God by becoming a better servant. That's what Peter is saying here. Lord, you will not wash my feet. I don't need that. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part in me. And Peter gets it, and he responds in Peter's fashion, which is to overemphasize his, overcorrect his error and say, well, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. You're right, Lord, I need to be part of you. Jesus offers his love to his people, and it's embarrassing to us. It's an affront to us in different ways because it takes us out of the picture. It exalts us to a place we don't deserve, causes us to have to confront our failings and instead accept the goodness of another, the righteousness of another. We need to be washed. If we are not washed, if the Holy Spirit is not washing us, if we do not pass through Jesus Christ, we have no part. 
We have no other way to the Father. We remain dirty and unclean. But that is the good news. That it's not up to us. It's not up to our works. It's not up to us being better servants that gains us a right standing before God. It is Jesus humiliating himself on our behalf and us being so embarrassed by it because we don't deserve it and there's nothing we can do to lose it and it changes who we are. And this great promise at the end of our passage today Whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. Jesus is showing them the way that his gospel will go forth in humility, in service. He is going to send them out to love in the way that he loved them. And as people respond to them and receive this message, they are receiving Jesus, and by receiving Jesus, they are receiving the Father. This is the good news that Christ's love continues to go forth. He continues to wash. We can continue to be made right with God because of his great humiliation on our behalf. May he give us the grace to trust. May he give us the grace to endure the embarrassing fact that we have right standing before him because of somebody else. May we submit to his washing and trust in that for our righteousness. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for Christ's washing, making us clean and pure in your sight. Unfathomable to think the God of the universe would condescend to wipe the dirt off of sinful men. And far greater that he would come to wash the sins of his people by shedding his blood. May these truths ring deep into our hearts. May they overflow in lives of service to one another and to those around us. May we bask in the glory of Christ's love for us. It's in his name we pray. Amen.